Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. And today we're talking about a subject that kind of hits close to home for me. We're talking about suicide and teen suicide amongst a vulnerable part of our population. And that is ages 10 to 24. I came across this subject and I kind of thought it was something that bears repeating and something that we don't talk about often enough. And I read a report on a CDC website that describes why this is happening and how we all should be paying some attention to this. So I wanted to take some time out this morning to explore the subject with you and to tell you why this is something that we all should uh, pay attention to. And the reason for that is because our young people are our future. They are the future. The future is not you and I. The future for our future, we are passing, right? So the future is our young people. And if we can't get a grip enough to leave them with hope and to give them enough hope for them to continue that things will change, then we're in a mess. Because our political system is in a mess. We're constantly fighting. We're constantly striving. There is no rest from the constant stress of our political activities today. I don't know about you, but I have not been so stressed in a long, long, long time. I mean, I thought I endured stresses in my personal life. But the environment around us is not leaving us with any hope. And it's impacting a group of people who are the most vulnerable because they are the future. If they're looking at the political strife right now and they're looking at our social lives and can't see any move forward, then they don't think there is any hope. So I wanted to provide you with some information as to why this is happening and so that you can be aware if you have a person in your household, 10 to 24, what are the signs and symptoms? And just some information that you can know so you can do something about this and and, and talk to young people. I have found that it is better to open a dialogue. It's very difficult to pierce and penetrate today's young people. I'm not going to hide it from you. It's very difficult to get their attention and hold their attention. It's very difficult to even get to talk to them. They shut you down. They think we're not relevant. They think they have all the answers. They listen to one another too much because they're in these group chats called Snapchat and Instagram and they gather as a group and they listen to one another and they shut us out. And it's so very difficult to be able to penetrate the walls that they erect around themselves, not realizing that that is part of the reasons that is contributing to their demise and demising they are. So before we get into it, though, I wanted to share some information to you. If this is your first time listening to Down to Earth, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Harriet Kamak. I'm the host. And in addition to this medium, I also write books. I'm an author and a speaker. And for more information, you can go to my website, www.harriet, H-A-R-R-I-E-T. My last name is C-A-M-M-O-C-K.com. 
You can also find more information about me on Google. It will give you a page that says I'm an author and a speaker. It will take you to my website. And it will also take you to the page on Amazon.com that shows my books. I've written three books so far. I'm currently working on my fourth book, By the Grace of God. We hope that will be out in the spring. (laughs) It looks like springtime. It's going to be. I had originally projected for November. It probably is not going to happen until the spring. My fourth book will be After the Fire. My third book was Through the Fire. So my fourth book is a follow-up that will close out that series. And uh, in this book, I talk about the, what violence did to me and how it was a contributing factor to why I am who I am today. And I also have written other books, uh, Musings of the Spirit. You should grab a copy of that. Uh, from time to time, even I myself, I'm inspired by my own writings. I was at an event a couple nights ago and I found myself being inspired by my own book. I picked it up and it said something to me that just kind of propelled me forward and gave me the the, the impetus to continue doing what I do. And so it's very important why we have to invest in our young people. It's very important that even in the midst of all the strife that we have going on in our communities and in our society where the government seems to not know what they're doing. One minute they're this, one minute they're that. The uncertainty, the stresses now that we face in America where we don't know what is really going on. Are we in charge of the world or are we not? We don't seem to have all that answer. So young people are looking, well, what kind of world is there going to be for me to inherit? Young people are looking at their own family situations and they're like, there's nothing for me to inherit. By the time you're going to be consumed by death if you drop dead at 60, 65, There'll be nothing left here for me to inherit. What am I going to start life off with? These are the questions and these are the issues that our young people, unknown to us, are absorbing because they are growing up and they're listening to our conversations and our conversations basically are hopeless. I don't know how I'm going to get out of that. I don't know where I'm going, how am I going to pay this next bill. If every month we're having the same conversations over and over again without hope because we have an uncertain future, then guess what? It's impacting our children, and they're vulnerable. So I wanted to get into that. So go to my website, harrykamick.com, as well as buy my books on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com, wherever books are sold, whatever language that you speak, my books are translated into the languages of the world. Thank you so much for your continued support, and continue to download and subscribe our podcast. I appreciate the support, and I thank you so much very, very much. So today on our show, I wanted to talk about suicide, and I wanted to talk about homicide, homicide and suicide amongst a vulnerable group of people. And they are ages 10 to 24. And this kind of struck me because I have children. You know, my youngest daughter is 17, so she's right smack in the midst on that spectrum. My oldest daughter, thank God, has made it out. She's now 27. Thank you, Jesus. But as I focus on my my youngest daughter and I listen to their conversations surrounding their proposed role in the society and what they think they should do about the problems that exist today and what they're going to inherit as a society, I must say that from if you look at it through their perspective, there's not much hope. They're going to inherit the same problems. We didn't fix it. Our grandparents didn't fix it. And it seems to me that what they're imbibing is that what that we are contributing factors to it. But 
I want to bring it down to the micro level, to the macro level. And I want to bring it to your level so that whilst we can't fix the problems that exist societally, how about the problems that are in our own home? And I want to give you certain risk factors that if any of these are identified in your home, know that it is placing your child, your 10 to 24-year-old child at risk. I know in America, we tend to think that our children are adults when they get to 18. So we tend to think we're not emotionally responsible for them, nor are we financially responsible for them. But we are. We continue to be emotionally responsible and financially responsible for our children as long as we live. That is why the Bible says that it's important for a good man to leave a legacy for his generations to come. It is still our responsibility to leave something. And I say that in all the business of society, even if you don't have property you can leave your children, buy some life insurance. Buy some life insurance and leave them, leave, it as, leave them as beneficiaries. At least they'll have something to start with. At least they'll have five or $10,000 after the funeral expenses are paid to go do something with their lives. At least give them that so they have some assurance that somebody, namely you, is thinking about them. And I know you're probably saying, well, Harry, where am I going to find life insurance money when I have to, I'm stretched in every way and I have to pay this bill and that bill? I know I'm a single parent. I raised my children by myself and I didn't always have the income that I wanted. But what I found was I had to make the sacrifice. And two years ago, I buttoned down and I made the sacrifice and I bought life insurance to make sure that if anything were to happen to me, they're going to get some money. Do you see what I'm saying? They're going to get property, yeah, but they're also going to get some cash to walk away with. So one of the things I say, immediately settle that. So they feel even if it's just $5,000, it's going to be something. When the grief, when they're grieving, it's going to be something for them to hold on to. So I wanted to bring that down to the macro level to help you to focus in on what are some of the risk factors that exist, that might exist in your homes, that are contributing to the high rates of suicide and homicide amongst this vulnerable group of people. So let me tell you something that I discovered, that suicide and homicide rose 56% between 2007 and 2017. Hmm, that's a big thing. Suicide went up 57% between 2013 and 2017. Homicide went up 18% between 2014 and 2017. This, the CDC refers to this as a public health crisis, and it is. Teens and young adults are at risk. And so why are these things happening? Well, there are a couple of things that are going on. Our society, people are angry today. People are less tolerant, right? Financial stress as families struggle to make ends meet. These are the contributing factors. So you have a child who might be questioning his or her sexuality, might be questioning his or her gender, or who might not fit in with the status quo. You might live in a neighborhood where everybody drives uh, Mercedes or Range Rovers and you're, you show up to school in a hoopty. All of a sudden today, these are reasons to polarize people. You might have the smallest house on the block in a house where the typical uh, house size is 4,500 square feet, but your house is 1,900 square feet. So that is a reason for other children to pick on your child. So your child feels like they stand out. 
your child, might, you might be the only parent in the home. And in a neighborhood defined by two parents in a home, guess what? Your child is picked on because you are the only parent. You are never available. You have less uh, income to make the things work. You, you might be, your child might be carrying an iPhone 8 Plus. Everybody else is carrying the brand spanking new iPhone. That's something to pick on. During the summer, my nephew stayed with me for a little bit, and I came across a video on YouTube because they wanted me to look up some YouTube videos that they watched. And I came across a video that was a parody. And the video talked about, in that video, that somebody made a parody of because he didn't have an iPhone, he wanted to kill himself. That is the kind of pressure that young people today are exposed to, that they're facing, that is driving them into suicide, that is giving them depression and making them feel that there is no hope. We've become a society that has focused so much on material things. If you're not vacationing, if you're not taking two and three vacations per year, if your parent is not a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, is highly placed in government, then you are nobody. So the pressure that is on families is compacting families and children are the ones who are experiencing it. So imagine you live in a neighborhood and your neighbors are doctors or the wives, the mothers are stay-at-home moms. But you have to go out to work because it takes both of you to make it work or you probably are the only income in the home. Then your child is feeling the brunt of it. So the other parents act out and, well, you know, we can do this and we can do that. And we're so, you know, we can afford this and where we live. And people, people today are so fragile that they use everything as a status symbol. I, I'm telling you, when I was growing up, I thought it was bad then, but it is worse today. In today's world, I have found that people use everything as a status symbol. If you're on Instagram, if you have an iPhone, if you vacation three, four times a year, these folks are in debt up to their ears, but they are maintaining that facade of affordability because it is everything. And the children are the ones who are paying the price. Even the choice of drugs that they take, their designer drugs, there are some drugs, I'm told that cocaine is the drug of choice of affluent white children. So affluent children take cocaine. Everybody else takes whatever else they have access to. Opioids are the drugs of affluent children because their parents have good health insurance, their mothers have good health insurance, who can go and get a prescription for an opioid addiction because, well, she's having issues coping with being a stay-at-home mom. And all of these things are swirling and swirling around inside the child's head. So you have the prepubescent problems and the problems of hormones and adjusting from being a child into a young, young, into a young person and matriculating to being a young adult. So you have all those hormones and chemical actions already taking place, compounded now by these issues, the social issues. Then, of course, there are the financial issues. Well, we can't go here this year. No, you can't have that new gym shoes. You already have 10. No, we can't buy anymore. We already, my cable bill is already stretched to the limit. I can't add download pay-per-view or whatever else. No, we're not buying a new iPhone just because Tommy just got the new iPhone because his parents don't have anything else to do with their money and they just charge it. No, I can't afford to buy a new car because the one we have works perfectly fine and I'm almost done paying the note. I'm not about to go get a new car just so you can feel good about yourself. Recently, I heard about a divorce case in which the, the, the mother apparently was living in a fairy tale land. I mean, she lived in a world that was not real. Her husband owned a business, but for some reason, she thought that he was making $10 million a year. 
because it was not unusual for her to go shopping and spend $9,000 in a day shopping, not because they need it, but because she on a whim. And then here comes the divorce, and she realizes that they'd have to give everything up. They had a 16-year-old child whom they were paying a car note on for a F-150 truck. And an 18-year-old child who was about to go to college whom they're also paying another car note for. And even the attorney had to say, why? Why was this necessary? That's unusually, and that's stressful. Because we live in this world where we want to give them everything, and we think that we're keeping up with the Joneses. A generation ago, we were told not to worry about that. Today's generation, it's all about maintaining the status quo. Children today want the newest and the latest get gadgets. If they can't buy an ear pod, they're going to kill. I mean, a generation ago, they used to worry about wearing Jordans or whatever, and they'd kill each other. It hasn't stopped. The gadgets changed, but the pressure is even more increased because you know what happens today? Guess what? Social media. So whereas before, Tommy was over there doing his thing, and he felt isolated because he might, he might feel he's the only person going through it, then you go on social media, and everybody is doing it. Do you see what I'm saying? And so today we have this issue where this is going on and on and on. And now here we are compacted by these issues. So what are we going to do? What, what are the issues that are present in our homes that are the contributing factors to this? You're going to be shocked. Now, here are some contributing factors that society says if these exist, the likelihood of your child becoming, uh, falling into suicide is greater. I want you to listen to this. And if these things exist in your home, the likelihood of the child becoming a victim of homicide, listen to this. Children today fall into depression childhood mental illness. So they might have a problem with their hormones. They're born this way. They have a problem coping. And these things present themselves early. Take the child to be diagnosed. Get them on the medication that will regulate their moods. For the love of God, please get over the stigma associated with mental health. Here's a biggie for me. Exposure to violence. So if you and your partner are yelling and arguing and fighting Exposure to violence in the home. I'm not talking about down the street. I'm not talking about violence with the neighbors fighting. Right there at home base, at ground zero. If there is violence in the home, you are subjecting your child to homicide and suicide. Think about that. Right? Uh, Childhood abuse and neglect. Hmm. Think about that. Access to drugs. Do you have opioids just hanging around? Mom is on depression, right? So mom has all her antidepressants just lined up. She needs this one. She needs Ambien for sleeping. She needs this for that. All those things. Access to drugs, right? Childhood abuse and neglect. Why are we abusing our children and neglecting them? If you don't want them, don't have them. People, please be kind to our children. They're vulnerable. If you are mad with their parents, their grandparents, 
please don't take it out on the children. I'm sure when they were in your belly, you got to have a conversation at some point. And for the love of God, would you all, with some of these parents, can somebody talk to these people? Stop drinking marijuana and drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana and eating cannabis-infused products while you're pregnant. You are ingesting chemicals into the bloodstream of an unborn child who, by the time it is born, is going to be presented with all kinds of birth-related issues that that person did not invite on themselves, but you, by your own carelessness and by our own inclination. Come on, people. We, 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 we can do better than that, right? I know that times are stressful, and the stress of our home environments, the stress of life, I outlined them earlier, the stress of the political strife in our country, it is play, taking an effect on all of us. But on the macro level, fighting to struggling to make ends meet. Can't pay, you pay one bill and another one comes. As soon as you get out of one, it's another, it's this. If it's not the car, it's the washing machine, it's the dryer, it's the this, it's the dog that needs to go to the vet. It's one thing after another, after another. Seems like we're just continually playing catch up. The children are growing up and if they have been exposed to this from the time they were born, guess what? You know what it means. They're a sitting duck for contemplating suicide. And then get this, it doesn't help that you can go on YouTube and Google and find out how to commit suicide because there is a plethora of that information out there. It's called contagion, where young people start copying what the other young people do. Oh, I'm just fed up. I'm just going to be out of here, out of here. End this now. Just end it now. And so we have a public health crisis. Is there anyone listening? Are the powers that be listening? Are the politicians listening? Or are you too busy driving around and feeling important? Or are the administrators listening? Are people listening in schools? Or are you just as worried about paying your own bills and showing off on your friends that you made it? So, you know, you're going to drive the newest and the greatest. We need to think about stuff like that. What kind of stress are we under? You, you're in a home and two different people live together. You have different views on what constitutes living. One person thinks they should, you know, spend everything they make. Another person thinks we should save something. One person wants to keep up with the status quo and keep up with the Joneses. Another person thinks it doesn't take all that. One person, one parent loses a job. And all of a sudden, the income of that family is cut in half. So children who were, you were already stretched at the seams, but you were covering it. And now all of a sudden, you come and tell little Tommy, who identifies with the affluent group of kids and hangs out with this group of kids, he can't be that part with them anymore because life has suddenly changed. He falls into depression. Why are, are, why are we so fragile? Why is our sense of self in today's world so defined by material things. Why are we not paying more attention on the intrinsic, on what is truly valuable? I know it's far-reaching. Try telling that to a young person. I'm preaching to the choir here. Try telling them that the best part of themselves is what is inside of their heads. It's like knocking on a wall because the society is not saying that. The society 
is reinforcing the idea that success is determined by what you look like. Success is determined by what you drive. Success is determined by what gadgets and products you can afford to buy. That is what is driving this whole dilemma. If you really were to get down to it, you could just be an ordinary person. You're a social worker earning $30,000, $35,000, $38,000, dollars a year. Your children are surrounded by people who are earning $120,000 a year. They can afford to buy everything that they can afford to buy. And your child comes home and they're looking at it like, really? This is my lot in life? This is all that I'm ever going to be? I don't have to go to college then. If I'm just going to come out and earn the same thing that you earn, why do I have to go to college? I read a report recently that said children in Europe, the UK, and America, young millennials, Generation Z, they're like ditching a four-year degree. You know why that is so? Because they're watching their parents who went to college and who are struggling to find jobs that pay and struggling to even find a job even with a four-year degree still have the student loan debt. And they're saying, you know what? That's not for me. So we have created this other economy called the hustle economy, the side gig economy. Uber and Lyft and everything else. You can have a side hustle and a side gig. You've been in anywhere lately and you see people coming in selling. It used to be CDs. Now they're selling other things. They're like, I cook. Can I just sell you something? Or my sister does nails. The side gig economy. Now we have entered the multiple streams of income. I don't even know if the if the pyramid schemes are proliferating because people have put so much money into pyramid schemes. You know, you haven't heard from someone in a while. They take you out to lunch and dinner, and then they make the pitch for the pyramid scheme. And you put money into it, but you don't get an immediate benefit. You still They still tell you you have to work the system to make the money. And you work the system, and after 12 months, you're like, all that money I spent was for nothing. People want answers. And so people are like, you know what, you you turn on the news and you are discouraged by what you read. It looks like we're losing our grip on control of the world. It looks like who is in charge here? It used to be that we felt good generally about America, you know, like, okay, we're still in charge. Yeah, we got this. We can do this. Things will turn around. No, it's like, who is in charge? I don't want Putin to be in charge of the world, but it looks like that's where we're going. Who is in charge? We're not in charge anymore. Who is determining what happens? So as we look across at the political landscape, we're like, oh, my gosh, there's something seriously wrong. This is not working. And then it comes down to the macro level right in our own homes. What does it mean? If you don't believe me, just, I, I just want you to think about this for this, for this, this alone, this one thought. Think about this. The workers from General Motors who were on strike, this is the 36th day. It's five weeks. According to union rules, they were only paid $250 a day. Then they increased it to $275 per week. One woman had a heart attack while on strike, by the way. (laughs) Like literally, she dropped dead. Right? She had a heart attack. Think about that for a family. So you're used to taking home $1,000. Now you're taking home $250 for five weeks. Five weeks. You were on strike, so it's not going to be retroactive. You didn't work. Now, think about that. 
These are the issues that confront us. And these things are being played out in real time that is impacting and affecting our children. And our children are the ones paying the price. We've got to do better. We have got to make a commitment to making sure that we are doing better at talking to our young people. Listen to me. We need to talk, encourage our children to talk. If they're not going to talk to me, fine, but you have to talk to someone. Because it is now an epidemic of young people in the age group 10 to 24 who are killing themselves, who are literally just saying it's not worth it. They're, they're either killing themselves through overdoses and finding unique ways to take their own lives, and then here's another thing that is my one of my biggest pet peeves, the, 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 the exposure to firearms in the home. We're so proud of our gun collections, but do we keep them locked up? But the child knows how to access them, right? Because it's not unusual for you to send Johnny. He has to learn how to handle a gun. So you send him to go get the gun. We've seen in here in Detroit, we've seen so many cases of children dying. Because they went upstairs and looked for grandma's gun or grandpa's gun or mommy's gun or mommy's boyfriend's gun and think the gun is a toy because they see you play with it. Because you take it out and show up because having a gun and the ownership of a gun empowers you or makes you feel powerful. If you lack power so much, create some intellectual power. We've got to stop and think One of the things I'm finding is that we stopped thinking. We don't think things through. I don't know what happened to us if we got overwhelmed, maybe information overload, there's just too much stuff streaming. I I noticed this week, for me personally, that as I paid more attention to the impeachment inquiry, I began myself to, uh, today's Friday, and I feel completely drained. I have to tune that stuff out. I don't want to see another. I'm about to cut off all notifications off my phone. I can't take it anymore. Because the stress of it is driving me. It's making me say, oh, my God, who is in charge? Now, if imagine in your home, there's no income coming in. So the child comes home, and when he hears what his friends are eating, he's like, well, there's no food. Little Johnny's like, there's nothing around here to eat. It's not that there isn't food there, but he doesn't want that because he's comparing what he hears his friends talk about. He wants to go somewhere, and he's like, I don't have anything to wear. And you're like, are you nuts? Don't you have this? Don't you have that? Well, I wore that yesterday, or I wore that last month, or I wore that three months ago. And you're like, so what's wrong with it? I wear my clothes all the time. And he's like, you don't understand. You don't get it. So you give them a three-year-old iPad that you have. And they're like, a three-year-old iPad? Why can't I have the newest and the latest version? Because they're comparing themselves to what their friends have. Do you see what I'm saying? We got a problem. We got a problem. We have to start talking to our young people. We have to start setting the standards for what is good in our homes. You have to start telling your children we're living according to our means. When, when both my children lived at home and they were young, I sat them down one day because it was getting out of hand. I mean, they were, I can get this, I can get that. 
started, listen, I am the only parent. This is how much money comes in, and these are the responsibilities I have. That's what I would say. And what I found was that if I could say that, then what it did was it helped me to get to the place where I had to be able to tell my children, this is how much money we have. This is what I have to pay for us to live. This is what is that. Then everybody went like, oh, do you like living? Do you want us to live this way? We have to drive a car. This is what it takes. That's what it's supposed to require, honest answers. Don't just say, well, this is what we're going to do. Say, the reason we're doing this is because this is how much money we have. Now, you probably are going to hear little Johnny and little Ashley say, well, why don't you do something about it? I said, well, why don't you? Don't get defensive and say, I'm doing everything that I can because everything that you can do is never going to be enough for them. You said, this is where it is at. Now, what you can do about it is make sure you go to school, finish college, and go be better than me. And then you won't ever have to have this problem in your own household. You see what I'm saying? Because you're doing the best that you can. Because you have to show them this is what is going on around you so they see a bigger picture. My daughter, my youngest daughter, grew up in a different time than my oldest daughter. Today, you have very little control over your children. I find that you have very little control over what they think because the social influences are greater than your ability to influence their thoughts. Times changed. So I had to talk to my youngest daughter in a different way than I talked to my oldest daughter. And no matter what I tried to tell her about the realities of life as it is, she wasn't getting it. Right? But you know what worked? We went to an event where a woman my age began talking about what happened to her after divorce. And hearing it from somebody else of a different ethnicity, different racial background, different socioeconomics, hearing that the same things happened to that person opened her eyes and made her see that this was not mom's fault, that this was something that could happen to anybody at any time. Because look at that woman. She thought that she was, you know, everything was set up and she was going in the right place at the right time. Look what happened. Do you see what I'm saying? And so you have to expose them to a wider body of information. Ask them, what are you reading? What are you looking up? What are you watching? Who are you listening to? Stop letting them hang out with some friends because if you are perceiving that hanging out with so-and-so is not helping your child, cut it off. Of course, your child is going to fight you, but they are under your control. You can't let the control slip out from under you. You tell them, this is going to change when you turn 18 and go to college. Then you have control over yourself. Go do what you want to do. But as long as you live with me, here are the facts. Mister, here are the facts. Miss, you don't like it? Go do what you feel you should do, but you're not coming back here. This is how it's going to go down, and this is how it is. And eventually, whether they like it or not, they're going to accede. Tell them what the realities are. 
Tell them what it's like to be a runaway. Tell them all the evils that are in the present day. So you think running away is going to make it better for you? Okay, well, here's what happens when you run away. This is what is most likely to happen. Do you see what I'm saying? Because today's young people, they don't have a clue. They think that life is great and that they have control and that everything is everything. And that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. And here is the thing I have found, that their reality that is in their minds is their reality. It is so real to them that you literally are fighting to gain control. And then you have societal influences. There are things that are outside of a parent's ability to control. And so what do you do when faced with this conundrum? And especially, and here's the thing, most of us are reluctant to admit that there might be a history of mental health illness in our families. If you know uncle so-and-so or so-and-so and you see your child reacting in certain ways, go get the child tested immediately. Don't wait for that problem to mushroom because then it becomes unmanageable and it is going to negatively affect the child. Watch the foods that they eat. Make sure they're eating a variety of, of foods, right? Not just some. And let them take, take buy vitamins. Make sure they're taking vitamins. I kid you not. They need a boost. They need supplements to boost them. Look for drug use or signs and symptoms of drug use. And ask questions. Where are you going? Who are you hanging out with? They're coming over. What are you doing in the room? If you're in the house and you're in a room, I won't want any closed doors. Keep that bedroom door open. I want to see what's going on. So that they know that somebody has oversight. And talk to them. Sit down and talk to them. Be there. Even if they choose, let them say you're a helicopter parent. You know, my oldest daughter was telling me something. And she said, when she was growing up, she called me a helicopter parent. And you know how the society vilifies helicopter parents. You know, they, they call us helicopter parents because we are parents. We are doing the job of parenting and hovering over our children so they have the right outcome. And my oldest daughter was saying it took her the end of her first year of college to realize that maybe her mother was not crazy and just way out there. She said, you know, my mother was just this Jamaican lady. She was just like crazy all the time. She was always hovering, telling me what to do, making sure. She said, but I found that I have more drive and ambition. I found that I was motivated to just keep on going when others were just settling. I was just kept on moving and moving. And then she looked at, she said, but I didn't take drugs. I, I didn't drink. I didn't, I avoided getting pregnant. Because she said, I was flat out terrified that if anything, if I got pregnant, my mother was going to kill me. I swear she knew. And so she said it kept her. So she said after a while, as she grew older, she started saying, maybe there's something to this helicopter parenting after all. Maybe she wasn't crazy. You may not get the immediate reward of having your child acquiesce to your will, but you know in time to come, when they look back, and they compare themselves to the people whom they thought had the greatest access, they're going to say, my God, I'm so grateful that my parents took the time out to yell at me and to keep me on the straight and narrow. 
Sometimes in other households, people give their children more access to material things and more access to drugs because they're not there. Sometimes they themselves grew up in broken homes where they thought that material things were what it takes to raise a child. Sometimes they simply don't care. They are busy pursuing their own agendas. So they kind of leave the child to grow up by themselves. And you end up with a case of a broken system and a broken home. The real definition of a broken home is not when one parent is absent. Both parents can be there. What makes a broken home is the conditions that exist in the home that impacts the child negatively. People, like I told my kids the other day, I said, what you don't realize is that rich people just have more money to cover up the stuff that happens in the homes. They can pay off everybody. So they pay off the prosecutor. They pay off everybody else to make sure that they get what they want to get. Right? That's all that it takes. It's not that stuff doesn't happen. It's not that their child didn't get pregnant and they didn't go down to the abortion clinic and do the morning after pill. It's not that their child was never pulled over. It's not that their child wasn't caught smoking or drinking at school. They just paid off everybody. They had more access, so they paid everything off. We need to make sure. So you may not have any, it doesn't mean stuff doesn't happen because often they paint the perfect picture of a perfect home. And your child is coming on saying, why can't I be like Josh? They have everything together. And then two years later, you hear they're going through a divorce and that all kinds of stuff was going on. That is why it's important to mirror inside of your home. What are the things that happen to your child? What is it that you want your child to be? You have to tell them. What I want for you to be is to be successful. I want you to be the very best version of yourself. I want you to have all the options that you need to have in order to be successful. I am not going to rob you, but you can't rob yourself. Don't short yourself. The other thing that I find is that children tend to cling to what their peers think. You have to examine their peers and ask your kid, if, if your friends think this low, what are you doing hanging around low-lying fruit? If this is all they think they can be, what are you doing around them? What do you want to do? Then you have to stretch yourself. You have to challenge your, your children. I, I'm saying this because I'm a parent and I find that I have to continually challenge my children. Well, what are you thinking? If you hang around this person, after a while it's going to be, well, I guess this is just the way it works. And I guess you just keep your head down and you just keep it moving. And that's what it is. No. When are you going to take a stance? Why are you not looking at this from another perspective? My friends, it's our children. They deserve a future. We want the best for them. So we have to continue. The fight is real. The fight is right in our homes. It's right in your child's hands. It's called the phone. Tell them, put the phone down and pick up a book and read it. Go read something and study. Don't you have an exam or a test coming up? Why are you not studying? Get off the phone. That's the kind of conversation you have to have. Hold them accountable. You say you want to do so-and-so. Why don't you know what you want to do when you're 16? How come you don't want to know what you want to do? What, how come, what do you mean you don't know? You're just going to go and study what? That's, bring them the facts. 
they're going to thank you later. They may not do it now, but I guarantee you they will come back and thank you later. Because to save them from themselves. Because what will happen is in a few years, if they don't go to college and they don't graduate with a degree where they can find employment in, by the time they're 22 and they find themselves still working for a $10, $12 an hour job and they have to live at home, they're going to kill themselves. Because they're going to look at others and say, well, you know, Josh's parents is a doctor, mom is a nurse, mom is a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. That's why. And you're going to say, but you have the option to go to college. What did you do? And some may say, well, even when I went to college and I got an advanced degree, what happened? I said, well, you were fighting a different thing, but keep fighting anyhow. You can't quit. The message is what? Keep fighting. That's the message. The message is you can't quit. So here are some things to remember as we wrap this up. Depression is a factor as it relates to our children. If there is a history of mental illness in the home, we have to pay, we have to be mindful of that. And we have to pay close attention to how that could impact children. If there is drug abuse in the home, if there is alcohol abuse in the home, if there is abuse of drugs of any kind in the home, know that this is going to impact our children. Right? If there's exposure to violence, people, we can't fight with one another and think it's not going to affect the children. The constant yelling, the constant screaming at one another, calling each other names. Do our children feel safe? We have an issue. Our society is very polarizing. You're black, you're white, you're green, you're yellow. Now the big thing is, are you an immigrant? Those are polarizing issues that divide the society. So you're, if these things divide the society, believe it, if they impact your household, the children are paying the price. The financial stress, people are struggling to make ends meet. Less money in the home. People are not tolerant. Your children are part of social groups where if they don't have the latest and the greatest. Frankly, I tell my children, I don't know what those other parents do to have what they have. So I don't envy anybody. I don't know if who's not doing what or whatever. But here is what I can afford. And here is where it stops. This is where it stops, right here. This is what I can afford. This is where it is. When it improves, you will be improved too. Right? Depression. Can't underestimate how much that is a problem. Right? I say all of that to say we've got to pay attention. And we've got to come to a place where we say, my, my, my. Something has got to change. My name is Harriet Kamek. I want to thank you so much for listening to us this morning. Go to the CDC website. And if you have a child or you have an issue in your home, I want you to uh, think about this. For more information, I'm going to give you a website to go to. For immediate help, go call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Suicide prevention, 1-800-273-TALK. I want to thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of our experience this morning. It truly has been an honor and a privilege. Make sure you join us on Sunday morning as we continue to talk about this and the issues that matter. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.